Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Colossians 1, 24 through 2, 5. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this toil, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So, we, in my in my home recently, we've been watching uh, we've been watching the junior the junior Bake Off. Anyone familiar with the uh, the Bake Off? A couple of you, the British Bake Off, right? So it's like it's like all the beauty of the British Bake Off with the cuteness of like small children and English accents, right? Uh, it's been a lot of fun, right? All the same sort of pastel colors and clean surfaces and uh, politeness and English manners, right? All the same kinds of things, competitive spirit, but in a genuinely sort of uh, kind way, it seems to be. It's been a lot of fun. We, we've enjoyed it. But one thing I've noticed, uh, which has been fun, we have laughed at uh, a number of times. Uh, if, if uh, yeah, we, we've laughed at a number of times, is the... the uh, how often the kids drop the cakes, right? And I'm sure it's the like skill of editing, right? I'm sure it's just the magic of editing. But we were watching one episode. It was like three or four in a row. Just the cake hits the four. And we're laughing. The kids are laughing. We like rewind it to watch it happen again. You know, it's like, this is amazing. Because every time, right, the kids like, they drop the cake and you can see it. They're like, oh, they pick it up. Five second rule. And then they just like <laughs> hand it to the judge, Right. Like, in the original version, there would have been tears, adults would have been crying, they'd have thrown it in the trash can, they would have started over. The kids are like, meh, right? Like, I'm going to take this sloppy mess of a cake. It is what it is. Please try not to pay attention to the fact that I just picked it up off the floor. I love it, right? That despite all of the beauty and pastel colors and English charm, right, everything's a mess, and, and I think, I, I want to be perhaps honest with you, I wonder if for many of us, that's really not a more accurate picture of life, right? We come here, uh, uh, you know, and outside, it's lovely pastel colors and, and polite manners, but really, we're just blowing the dust off of the messiness of our lives as we're trying to just hold it all together. We're, we're scraping stuff off the floor, bringing our mess of a plate into this place, saying, here you go, it's what I've got, right? It's the best I can do, despite all the sort of ways in which we try to kind of dress it up. And I think uh, I want 
to invite you, us, to take that feeling into the passage that Megan has read for us this morning. It's a beautiful moment in the letter. Technically, right, Paul is still in the introduction, which I'm going to use that as a model for sermonizing and preaching, right? Still in the introduction, right? He's like, we're into chapter two, and he is still sort of waxing eloquent uh, about his affection for and his uh, desire, his prayers for this group of people whom he has never met, right? People he's never met. And uh, still in the introduction, sharing his affection, his intention for this community of people. It's remarkable, really, right? If you just take it as a letter, you sit with it. It's remarkable. Uh, His depth of sincerity and and concern uh, for the faith of this community of people that uh, he he is only known through the friendship of a mutual friend, right? And here Paul is encouraging them, as we'll see, as we've seen already, encouraging, encouraging, encouraging them towards maturity, towards growth. So what, what I want us to do this morning is just briefly, uh, I want us to consider just a couple of aspects of this passage. And then as we sit with those, uh, reflect on maybe what relevance they might have to sort of your life here in Overland Park. Sound good? Is that okay? Yes. I really want to talk about Federer and his retirement from tennis, but I'm going to talk about Colossians instead. So there, I did it. I put it out there. Now I can move on. So here's my first observation, all right? Uh, he goes, like, who's Federer? What's tennis? But uh, um, Chiefs, I meant, that's what I meant to say. Go Chiefs. Oh, KU, K-State, everybody winning, winning, winning. But uh, yeah, okay. Uh, we jumped the shark. Uh, the work of ministry. This is the first point uh, of observation, right? Where Paul starts in this letter, listen to his language as he begins, still in the introduction. He's just come out of this beautiful hymn where he's, you know, celebrated Christ in, as we saw last week, in all of his glory, but also in all of his grace and what it means for us. And now he continues, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Where, where we start, the first observation is the work, right? The effort uh, from Paul in, in ministry on behalf of other people, right? We, we see it here, uh, Paul, right? Or on behalf of others, the work of ministry, as Paul is giving expression to it here, he's suffering for, he's working for the benefit and good of others, as we've observed people he hasn't met, right? The work of ministry in Paul's life. He'll, he'll use the language, he'll continue, right? In the same way that Christ has suffered on behalf of, he's like, I'm stepping into Christ's afflictions, kind of in a sense, filling them up for you, stepping into that same um, pattern and relationship, Christ suffering for you and the world. I, I am picking that up and on your behalf, uh, engaged in the work of ministry in an effort to help you grow. Verse 24, and then again at the beginning of, of chapter 2, verse 1, he, he picked the same theme up again. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, right? Even though you haven't seen me face to face. So the first observation, the kind of space we live in in this passage is the work of, of ministry. The work, uh, in this case, as Paul exemplifies, on behalf uh, of others. It's, 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 again, remarkable, right? Paul is suffering for the gospel. The same Paul, right, the same Paul who, who, who was in fact on the other side of this equation, inflicting suffering on others because of their profession of Jesus, the Messiah. This, that same Paul is now sort of on the other end, remarkably, uh, full of life, himself sort of um, 
embracing or accepting the, 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 the suffering that he's experienced uh, because of this same Christ on behalf of others. It's, it's, a, it's a remarkable move, a, a beautiful move of the transformation that Christ has worked in his life that has drawn him into, right, uh, the work of ministry, the call that Christ would give to disciples. Follow me and take up your cross. Follow me in this pattern of laying my life down for others. I am taking up my cross on your behalf. Now you follow me and let's do this together. You take up your cross as well, right? Uh, Stepping into suffering on behalf of others. This is the first observation, right? Paul, all over this section of his letter, the work of ministry, he's engaged, right? You You can feel uh, you can feel his emotion in, in uh, this expression, his care and concern uh, that these people would know uh, the work and grace of Christ. So the work of ministry on the one hand. But then so the second observation, so like I'm already out of the introduction through point one and into point two. You guys are like, this is amazing. Um, or not, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, so here's the second observation. So where we start is the work of ministry in Paul's life on behalf of others. But then uh, the, the, sort of the other uh, aspect of this passage is the work of maturity uh, in the lives of the Colossians, growth, right? He's talking about them as a community growing. Like he is suffering so that they could know the work of maturity, continue in, participate in the work of maturity. We... we um, he'll be explicit, uh, as we'll see next week, uh, sort of hit the, I don't know, the, the, the topic sentence, the thesis of this letter, if you will, if, if we were going to choose a space. And next week, uh, he's going to move right into sort of a, a summative statement. This is what he's aiming at. But here are hints and themes as he, as he expresses his desire to suffer so that they could know the work of maturity. Uh, and he gives us just a hint of what that looks like. Chapter 2, verse 2, which, again, Megan read for us. And what does maturity look like? That their hearts would be encouraged, being knit together in love, like unified in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery. Right? So on the one hand, what does maturity look like? I don't know what your words were. Right? In this case, Paul says there's an encouragement that happens as a community grows. There is unity uh, on behalf of others, a similar theme to what Paul has already exemplified. There is love here, he says. Then, then there is, uh, uh, at the end of our reading, he goes on to warn, like, um, it talks about discernment, that as you grow, you'd be able to discern an, an, an acknowledgement, an admission that there are other sort of paths, there are other uh, um, approaches, there are um, other sort of explanations and, and the ability to discern among those. Christ, he says, is a, is a, is a picture of maturity, wisdom, right? This is a, an indication of growth that as you walk along, enticed to sort of all other sorts of priorities and, uh, that you would be able to discern, right? M- maturity, right? Encouragement, unity, love on the one hand, discernment that, uh, again, the language, 128, warning and teaching, understanding and knowledge, uh, all of this so that you'd be able to kind of discern and not be deluded by uh, various plausible arguments, right? The work, you, you feel it, right? You, you can feel it in the language. Where Paul has given expression to the work of ministry, his suffering on behalf of others. On this side of it, of it we feel the work of maturity, right? The, the effort that goes into growing. We might say, we might say at this point in our reflection on the passage, 
that the Christian life is a bit of a slog, right? Right, that it, as, if, if, if we just sort of stop here in our reflection of the passage, Paul's suffering on behalf of others, the work of maturity and all that's involved in it, I mean, I don't know, uh, yeah, that, that it just the Christian life feels like a bit of a slog, but thankfully this is not where the passage finishes. This isn't, this isn't the only aspect of the Christian life that we are given this morning. One uh, New Testament scholar reflecting on the passage, he tries to summarize just a section of the reading, uh, a portion of what was read this morning, and he puts it like this, we slog, right, we slog, slog, right, we slog, but Christ sustains. This is the gospel that we find in, in, in this section of of Paul's letter to the Colossians. There is all this work and effort, but uh, we slog, and there, there's the feeling at times that life is a slog, even in ministry or perhaps in your own growth and maturity, but, but the beauty of this passage is that, yes, we slog, but, but Christ sustains. It's the context, really, in this passage for all of the effort, all of the effort that comes through in this section in Paul's ministry, in their push towards maturity, all of it is situated in the work of God's mystery in Jesus Christ, in Christ. Right? Paul's suffering and slogging for people he's never met. Notice what he says about it in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Did you, did you, did you catch the move Paul makes here? Paul is slogging, sure. He's toiling, yes. He's working. But all of that effort for Paul finds its home where? In the power and energy of another on his behalf, working in and through him. Or take the Colossians, right? Maturing. I don't know how we typically think about maturity, but uh, it's an interesting word. We often associate it with hard work, right? When you think about maturity in your own life, you're like, oftentimes it's the feeling of like you've, you've been through some difficulty and you've come out with a little bit more wisdom. You've done the slogging work of maturity and now you're like, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wiser, better person for it. I'm more mature, right? Even when we think about it passively, sort of as something that happens, it, it is associated with the effort of slogging. But let's, let's take the active side of it, what we do to grow. Words like encouraging and unity and love. Man, these are beautiful words, lovely pastel colors, but uh, come on, often hard fought to achieve, right? Not easy words to live into and practice. Discerning plausible arguments. Uh, you guys have no doubt yourselves felt the tension of, 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 of wrestling through discernment or engaged in conversations with friends. What's it mean to discern? Where is Christ in this? It's, it's a, a slog, right? We slog, but the context of all of that, Paul says, is Christ who sustains. It's all over the passage. Where we began in verse 24, even Paul's suffering, he says, finds its home in Christ's afflictions. Paul's own suffering caught up in the suffering and afflictions of Christ. Speaking to this group of Colossians, he, he writes, what does maturity look like for them? What, what, what is the context of maturity? It is, it is this mystery that God is at work in Christ in you, the hope of glory, he says in verse 27. Specifically, right, that this mystery, that God has now made his home in you uh, to this group of Gentiles, perhaps traditionally considered on the outside of the scope of the places in which God may be working. Paul says now, even in you, God is at work. Christ in you. 
but not just Christ at work in you. He says that the home in which all of this takes place is you in Christ, verse 28. A maturity that happens where, where, as we saw last week, Christ is the one who holds all. His glory is on display and he redeems through his grace what is broken, that, that the context of your life is not just Christ in you, but you in Christ. He holds it all. And then this final resting sort of moment in verse 2, that you'd have knowledge and understanding, he says, that you'd know. Right, you'd have a maturity. What does, what does he call them to in this moment? Some new insight? Some new skill? Some new habit? No. He says that you would know the mystery of God, which is Christ. Christ. He just takes them right back again and again to Christ. Christ, God's work on behalf of the world, even the Gentiles. Christ, in the work of Christ, you find, uh, uh, you find what sustains life. Um, I can't remember. It was a couple of seasons ago as a church. Many of you guys participated in groups where we read, uh, we read a, a little book called Gentle and Lowly, a beautiful book about sort of Christ's heart for sinners. Some of you guys did that with, with us. Uh, but uh, that author went on to write a second book, kind of a companion. A, a couple of you guys, I think, have read it, uh, but uh, about deeper, about what it means to, to grow in Christ, to, to know maturity. And he reflects on this journey, and he says something interesting that I think sort of uh, pulls us into more deeply what Paul says here in Colossians, that growing in Christ is not, it's not improving or adding some experience to life or some new habit or skill. Yes, work, slog, by all means. But he says it's, it's deepening in that which you already uh, have. Right, deepening, he says, uh, pulling you into uh, the truth of Christ, which Paul does again and again for the Colossians, that is already present to you. That Christian growth is bringing what you do and say and even feel into line with what, in fact, you already are because of Christ. Because of Christ. That, that uh, one writer went on to say, like, there's no recipe by which I can insert sort of the requisite spiritual ingredients in the right order to get this beautiful mix of a spiritual growth cake, right? Despite sort of all the work, I'm a mess, right? I'm dropping the cake all the time. I slog, I work, I try, you try, I try to uh, love for others, I try to grow all of this effort, but Paul says the context for all of that Christ and he pulls them back and you and me back to that again and again Christ is the one who sustains we uh, we have a um, in, at our home we have a what I don't know what you call it a ninja a ninja set right uh, I don't know it's like this sorry uh, I got the I got the look from my wife like Oof. Uh, don't tell anyone I'm, I'm your wife <laughs> but uh, um, Oof, my kid has been saying oof all week. I don't know where that came from. Oof is our word of the week, but uh, okay. We have this ninja set. We have these two old trees in the front yard, you know, the, the kind of zip line across the top. And then, you know, you've seen them around. We, you know, we saw them in, during COVID. We're like, oh, okay, we'll do that. So uh, we, you know, people had, you know, anyway, like monkey bars and stuff. And this is great fun, right? They're killing the grass, but that's okay, right? Uh, uh, I can't get it to grow anyway. So, uh, but they're, you know, they're just playing out front. It's great fun. 
and uh, uh, it was actually a gift from their grandmother in, in Georgia, and uh, they've had a blast. It's been, it's been really fun. But uh, recently, they're like, w- they want to rearrange all the stuff on it. Like, let's move this over here and that over there. And I'm like, no, it still does the same thing in the new position, <laughs> right? Like, no. And uh, most of the time, that's my reaction. This week, I was, you know, I was feeling good as a dad. I'm like, you bet, kiddo. I'd love to do that for you. And uh, so I went out there, right? And it's got these, like, carabiner clips, but they, like, screw on instead of, like, open. You know, there's probably a technical name for that. I don't know what it is, as we'll become a parent in a moment. But uh, I went out to, like, move them around. And, uh, you know, they're just slightly out of reach. It's annoying. I'm, I just, you know, I'm not a CrossFitter, so i got to work hard to, like, work above my head. And uh, I'm trying to get them unscrewed, and it's not working. So I was, I was like, okay, you know, the weather, the rain, all that jazz. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to hop inside the garage and just grab a wrench, which I did, right? I know what a wrench is. I came back out and uh, put it on and was like, just, just to get it loose, right? Got it, got it loose. And I heard uh, one of my kids come up behind me and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm unloosening. And she's like, that is the cutest wrench I've ever seen, right? And uh, I'm thankful that she stayed behind me because my, I think my expression, I was wounded. My pride was wounded. And, uh, she, you know, I was like, whatever, and just finished. And she came back a little later. Hey, uh, go get that cute little wrench and move this other one too, right? And um, which is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Got me thinking about Paul and, and Colossians, right? Maybe you're here this morning and you're engaged in the work of ministry, whatever that context is for you. Maybe you're serving in places that are difficult, Maybe you, you are expending your life on behalf of others. Maybe it's in the context of, of uh, family. Maybe it's in the context of friends, maybe neighbors, maybe coworkers, maybe the people you serve, people for whom you suffer. Right? You, you expend a bit of yourself. Maybe the people within your home that you care for, you, you suffer, you forbear in the hopes that the good news of God's grace might take some root and flourish in whatever that space is in your life. And maybe at times you're there in that moment and you feel like you're just holding a cute little wrench, right? The job in front of you feels large and overwhelming, more than you perhaps know how to fill. Maybe you question the relevance of your presence there or the impact of your influence there. You hardly feel as though you have the tools or the skills or the patience or the wisdom or the you feel fill in the blank for the job. And you're there with a cute little wrench. Maybe like Paul, all you bring in that moment is some affection for the people for whom you strive and hope and hope that somehow Jesus makes a difference. You slog, you slog, you work, you suffer, you expend on behalf of others. And when you're left feeling like all you're holding is a cute little wrench, would you rest in the promise of this passage this morning? Yes, you slog, but Christ sustains. He works. It's his mystery unraveling in the world. It's, it's his mystery at work. Christ sustains his power and energy, not yours, that makes the difference. Or maybe you're here this morning and you are slogging in the work of maturity in your life. You're trying to grow. 
you're working to change, maybe to be a better version of yourself. I don't know. You're, you're striving. You're working. You are in the, the slog, the struggle of maturity. Where we do envision this as an effort on our part, as a, a process. You know, we, we think if I get the right habits and the right disciplines and the right practices, if I, if I get them in the right order or with the right quantity or with the right intensity, well, then finally I can grow, be mature. And maybe again, maybe when you look in the mirror, you stand there and you feel like I'm just holding a cute little wrench for a job and a project that feels way beyond my scope and ability to change. Paul, who would write this letter to people he had never met, would say to you, slog, go for it, grow. But let me remind you of the good news. Christ sustains. He is the one present and at work in you. Your growth and maturity, it's not an equation wherein which you insert the right sort of pieces. It's, it's, it's not that. It's a byproduct of what Christ has already done and promises to do in, through, and for you. That's the invitation of our reading as I've reflected on it this morning for you, wherever you might be in that story, perhaps trying to help others grow or seeking to grow yourself. Would you know that all that work all that effort, your best and your worst, the proper wrench or the little bitty embarrassing one that apparently I own, <laughs> right? That, that all that work you bring happens within the context of Christ and his grace who sustains and works in and through you. Will you stand? Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.